Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Friends, I have missed you. There were all of these things going on. Again, I need a helper. <laughs> so many things going on. I went to a convention for small businesses that are Christian, and uh, there was another homecoming, and I have a new job that uh, will start shortly, but there were all of these things happening at the same time. So I'm very sorry that I am late in advancing the podcasts. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your notes by text, by email, by Facebook, by the website. You have been so kind to keep me abreast of what's happening with you and that you have mentioned ways in which the podcast helps your life, which keeps me going because many times I wonder, should I keep going, Lord? <laughs> should I keep going? We have been reading, um, we started on the 28th week in ordinary time in the amazing book, uh, The Letter to the Romans by St. Paul. This is the most developed theology of all the letters of Paul. And it was written around the year 50, which is about 20 years after Jesus died and resurrected. You can imagine, put that in context, what was happening 20 years ago in your life? I know that for my life, one of my sons was being born. And you can think back to events that were important, like, you know, stepping on the moon or uh, 9-11 or in our community, Harvey, some years that something that happened just a few years ago or some years ago or many years ago or in a previous generation. So what do we remember about that? Well, we have Paul, 20 years after the uh, the death and, and resurrection of Christ, and he has been busy around the Mediterranean, and he's writing a letter to the Romans, a church that he actually had not visited. Unlike all the other churches, Philippi and Corinth, he's writing these letters, scholars tell us from Corinth, but he hadn't visited Rome. And 20 years later, after Jesus dies, there is a thriving church in the capital of the known world in Rome. And Paul is writing to them, knowing that this is also highly intellectual. He's been dealing with the intellectuals in the area of Greece, right? But that this is kind of the powerful, influential center of the world. He writes to them boldly and he starts his letter by saying, I am a slave to Christ. And nowadays we don't have slaves, but that would have been very well known to the people at that time. They would have known that. And what does it mean to be a slave? It means that your own will is subjected to that of another. And so he's introducing himself as a slave of Christ, as someone who is going to be at the mercy, at the uh, commanding will of someone else. And he describes Jesus as Christus. He describes him as Lord. He describes him as the king, which would have been a daring thing to do at that time, knowing that they had Caesar and that 
precisely Caesar had killed Jesus and that now he's proclaiming himself to be a slave for this Lord, this king that is actually the king of the Jews and that is also the king, the Lord of the Romans, therefore of the whole world. He knows he's writing a very, very intense and, and, and kind of awakening letter. We can read it with our historical eyes and just not really sense the words, especially if you see them uh, in the Blue Letter Bible, for example, online, you can find it. You can see the Greek, the Hebrew, the Latin words and get a sense for what those impactful uh, opening lines mean. I am a slave to the king of the world, which to the Romans would have been can I sort of a very explosive thing to say, a very daring thing to say, a very revolutionary thing to say. So that in the letter, uh, the verses for today, which we are on verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And gospel means good news, the evangelium, right? It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For Jew first and then Greek, that's what he's been doing, right? Traveling around the Mediterranean. For in, in it is revealed the righteousness of God from faith to faith. And now he's coming to Rome, the faith of the Romans, right? The one who is righteous by faith will live. And it's evident, he continues, that God exists because we can look at creation and his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. So we have no excuse. And even when we haven't accorded glory or thanksgiving to him as is due, because we've become vain in our reasoning with our senseless minds darkened, it would be wise for us to claim him as the immortal God that is the king of everything. He's calling forth in an intellectual way also the reign in our minds and in our hearts that God desires and that he makes evident just in his creation. That line was a very, very touching line for me. And I'm wondering what the touching line in this first letter of the Romans would be for you. You can always find the readings in the notes of the podcast if you need them. Uh, but I'm, I have studied with, with Buddhists and Taoists and, and Hinduists and Sufis and other religions in years of exploration. And I realized that a part of that was so proud, prideful that a part of it I know God has used for what is good, but it was also very proudful on my part to try to continue expanding in different directions. It's sort of an endless uh, expansion of desire to learn that can become vain and proudful. And when it does that, it leads us our heart in our hearts to kind of an intellectual lust that is never fulfilled. And we, as this letter says, we can exchange the truth of God for a lie. Let us not be people who do that. The psalm for today is 19 and says the heavens proclaim the glory of God, which Paul mentions in his letter. They're declaring the glory of God. The firmament proclaims his handiwork. And they pours out the word today and night to night imparts knowledge. Sometimes we seek knowledge in places that are not going to lead us where we want to go. If we look around us in the simplicity of just how nature grows around us, changes around, around us, transforms around us, how the firmament 
moves in the sky every night and every day. We see that there is a design around us that is a supreme intelligence well beyond what we can comprehend in many ways. And it says, not a word nor a discourse whose voice is not heard. Through all the earth, their voice resounds into the ends of the world, their message. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. I know that I have been guilty of intellectual pride many times in my life and that I have to consider that when I am trying to learn something, to place myself in the presence of God and ask him to guide me and not do it of my own accord. In Luke chapter 11, at the gospel reading for today, after Jesus had spoken, which we find him speaking in the readings from yesterday, a Pharisee invites him to dine at his home and he reclines and everybody's amazed to see that he doesn't wash before the meal. Jesus knows. He knows what to do, but he's always testing, right? Testing hearts and testing minds and wondering if we are more interested in the outward appearance. In my case, as I'm looking at this intellectual lust, this intellectual pride, to know if I'm more interested in what other th others outside think of me than what God thinks of me. And that just like the Pharisees, I became much more interested, especially in college years, to be up in the knowing of what needed to be known so that I could drop the right lines or say the right things and not doing that under the presence and under the guidance of God. So let us go to the throne, friends. Hebrews 4.12 says, the word of God is living and effective. Father, you are able to discern reflections and thoughts of our hearts. Thank you for your mercy. We proclaim your glory and let our lips sing your praises and call out the holiness of your name and the way in which you move in our lives. Forgive us for the times that we have shown intellectual pride or lust and we have relied in our own understanding. Give us your grace We cover ourselves in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that you have great plans for our lives, that you have written our destinies in your book of life, calling us forth to a relationship with you as our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Father. And we pray always in Jesus' name that your grace may grow in our hearts. Amen. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the Inner Room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.